This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. Sweet here, and welcome to episode 18 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineers thrive. Today, I speak with Steve Foran, the man behind a movement to create one billion happier people, about gratitude, leadership, and the pursuit of something bigger than yourself. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sweet. And for those of you who may be new to the podcast, welcome. I'm super glad you joined us. This show is all about helping engineers become great managers and leaders. And today's interview, well, listen, I'm really, really excited about it. Steve gave just a a ton of value, and I'm really excited to share that with you. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. The first thing I wanted to share with you is a, uh, a free webinar that's coming up that I'll be hosting with my, my good friend, Jeff Perry, who's the founder at morethan-engineering.com. And uh, the webinar is called How to Future-Proof Your Engineering Career So You Can Move Forward with Confidence Even During a Pandemic. Like I said, it's a, it's a free webinar. It's coming up December 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. And we're going to be tackling three critical mental shifts that you can use to build the engineering career of your dreams. Very, very cool stuff. We're going to be tackling getting career clarity, breaking through imposter syndrome, and learning to become an engineering leader. Again, so that you can future-proof your career no matter what's going on. Again, The webinar is going to be Wednesday, December 2nd in the evening, and you can sign up at engineeringandleadership.com slash career webinar. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash career webinar. And next, happy Thanksgiving to my friends south of the 49th parallel. I hope you are all having a, a wonderful time, a safe time. And quite by accident, today's show has a bit of a Thanksgiving theme to it. So um, I'm pretty excited to uh, to dig into that, to dig into gratitude with Steve Foran. So with that, why don't I kick things off and introduce my next guest. Despite the undeniable badness that has characterized much of the past year, my next guest believes that there's still much to be thankful for and that an attitude of gratitude is the key to success and happiness. Steve Foran is on a mission to make one billion happier people. He's the CEO of Gratitude at Work, where he works with leaders to shift corporate culture from complacent and entitled to grateful and engaged. Inc. Magazine recently named his book, Surviving to Thriving, The Ten Laws of Grateful Leadership, among the five best reads in positive psychology. Steve is also a professional engineer, certified speaking professional, and holds an MBA from St. Mary's University in Halifax. And here is my conversation with Steve. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Steve. Welcome to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Pat. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, I wanted to to ask you a little bit about your background in engineering and and your transition to your current work, but but we'll come back to that in a little bit. First thing I wanted to ask you about was your mission, because your your website makes it very clear you've got a very a very uh, ambitious mission, which is one billion happier people. What is it that makes that so important to you? Big believer in 
purpose. You know, I believe every single purpose, you, me, you listening, you've got a purpose in this world. And, you know, I I remember in the mid-90s talking to some friends and they, they, they would tell me, Steve, I, I just, I found exactly what I'm supposed to be doing in this world. And I, I, my, I'm salivating as I tell this story because I would, I would be sitting there and I would salivate listening to them because it's like, I want that. I mean, I, I, I loved what I did, but I was looking for that. And, um, you know, I started this gratitude work that I'm doing now about 14 years ago on a full-time basis. And, um, and, and my mission was, I didn't, my purpose, it, 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 I didn't frame it like one billion happier people. It, it was close to it. It was something like, you know, I, I forget exact the words, but it was it didn't give this clear, compelling vision. And um, can I tell you where it came from, the, the idea for it, Pat? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that'd be great. So I'm at a conference two years ago, uh, Peter Diamandis, you know, I'd read his book, Abundance. He was the opening keynote speaker. They introduce him. MD from Harvard. PhD in, I don't know, astrophysics or something from Harvard. He's done the X Prize for the first team that puts a, a, a rocket with a human being in it up into, you know, almost orbit, brings it back, lands it on Earth, and sends it up again within two weeks and brings it down safely. First team to do that, they get $10 million. At the time, they described, you know, his, his the current X Prize was the first team that could extract 2,000 liters of water from the atmosphere per day for less than 10 cents a liter, you get a $10 million prize. They introduced this guy. I'm sitting there in maybe the front or second front table. I'm thinking... I'm not even worthy to be in the room here. <laughs> Anyhow, he does his thing. And when it's over, someone asked him a question. They said, Peter, how do you decide what you invest your time, your money, your energy? Um, how, how do you make those decisions? And Patty says, first thing I do, I ask, I ask myself the question, does this have the ability to impact one billion people and i got goosebumps and i asked myself the question steve this work you're doing with gratitude do you think you you know what i asked and it's just like claim it make it yours and uh and it's not that it's about me and then so i started saying one billion happier people that's my dream and as an engineer you know people so how are you going to do it good question i don't know but that doesn't mean I'm not going to start before I don't know how to do it. I know it's going to take more than me, though. Yeah, and it's 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 really cool because it's 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 this thing that flirts with a- ambitious to the point of almost impossible. But in in, in this day and age, where well, a good example of this is is you know uh, a, a certain president south to, south of the border. <laughs> can with his thumbs reach millions of people yeah. in in the blink of an eye. So why why couldn't you or I reach a billion people and make a difference in a billion people's lives? It's, for the first time in history, that's not a laughable concept, and that's really that's that's remarkable that that's even even remotely within grasp. 
Yeah, it, it is. You're right. It, it, it really is. It's, um, and even without that, just this notion of being able to think it, believe it, and just move towards it because it, it, to me, it brings a lot of energy. I, I really don't get caught up in all the hows and because it, it could be something that I suspect could be overwhelming or just like a burden. And I, I, so far I've been doing my best not to, to make it feel like a, a burden. Uh, even though now that I've begun to say, okay, here's the, here's the mapping for it. <laughs> and, and so each year I've got a goal uh, in, in terms of numbers, you know, like how do you measure it? How all these things. And so that's evolving, but I, I, I want it to be something that I feel is, you know, that I'm chasing or I'm, it's pulling me. I'm not being pushed towards it. So that's really interesting. And that's something originally I, I hadn't planned on asking you, but now, now I, I have to know how how do you measure this? How do you go about satisfying for yourself that you really are making a difference in people's lives and making them happier? I'm open to ideas on this. You know, the the simple thing is how many people am I talking to? How many people do I make smile? Just you know, because you know, you pat, you know, when you give your kids a hug in the morning, guess what? Click, click. Add one, mm. and you know, for each because you're you're making a difference there. You're smiling, and and guess what? What are those kids like? People say, one guy said to me, Steve, you don't know how much your message has touched me. I'm not one. I think I'm ten thousand already, right? So it's like, how do you count that? <laughs> I'm right now. I'm just counting him as one, right? Um, so I, I I don't have that all figured out. Uh, a friend of mine, his wife, is studies epidemiology, which we kind of started talking about this, you know, before the whole the COVID hit, and he mm. said you should look at how um, how uh, disease spreads because your message that's how it's going to spread somehow like your this idea that's how because you touch people who touch people who touch people and um yeah so i i i I still don't have it all figured out but basically you know if if i'm doing a a program and there's uh, 300 people on it like there was yesterday what i did i'll just there's 300 so i'm very the very crude uh measurement that i have right now pat but no but that's great that that you really do uh, for for want of a better term, you keep score. You yeah. really are trying to hit a billion. That and 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 the idea that you you really do capture that makes that vision that much more concrete, that much more real. It's not it's not airy fairy. You really are trying to hit that, which I think is 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 inspiring. Yeah, and so I, I can tell you, I'll, I'll tell you now. So because early days, and and I do see it like an exponential function. So you think, uh, I'm going to say 100, next year, 1,000, next year, 10,000. So by, mm-hmm. I think it's 2027, boom, we're done. That's, uh, that's phenomenal. Um, we, we've spoken quite a bit about the uh, kind of the quantity of people. Uh, you, you, you could totally peg us as a couple of engineers. Um, but but let let's look the the other half of this equation here a little bit uh, and and about happiness and why that's important and what I really wanted to get into here is 
Why is it you think people, particularly people at work in work settings, aren't happier than than they are? Know that you know we live in the most prosperous time in all of human history, and if you look at you know the United Nations, they do a global happiness report, and they're reporting for the first time since they've been measuring this. They're predicting declines in global happiness, and it's being led by the Western world. And um, and it's like, how can that be? I I mean, they have some ideas in terms of what they they think is leading it, but I I, I think a, a culture that is overly focused on self and me. And, um, you know, highly individualistic, it, it can contribute to that. And I believe in uh, democracy and free enterprise and, uh, you know, the right and, and the, the belief that people can grow and succeed and excel. Um, yet at the same time, the, the, there's a side to that that leaves, and I just see far too many people stuck in this, what feels like this endless cycle of never having enough. I need more of this. And, and you know, the, the message in popular culture is, is that you need this, you need this, you, you don't have this. And it gets us focusing on everything we don't have. And when I focus on everything I don't have, it just reinforces what my brain is trying to do, my ancient brain that's just trying to keep me alive and keep, you know, that is in survival mode all the time, just trying to pull me into fear, helping me, you know, just keep focus on what I don't have. Um, and it puts you in a place where we, we aren't able to find happiness. And, and when I say happiness, not the, Oh my goodness, I won the million dollars in the lottery. And, you know, not this happiness in, in pleasure seeking, but happiness that is genuinely rooted in peace, contentment, um, and in you know in the in the positive psychology literature, they they talk about it as well-being. This broad sense of happiness that that I mean, there is some ebb and flow to it, but it's kind of like a, um, a a low water mark that you know it's. That you know, a high low watermark maybe is the way to describe it. This is really this is really interesting. This point that you've made about the fact that never never before in history have we in the Western world had it easier. There's mm-hmm. there you know there, there's there's more uh, more health, more wealth. Now, of course, it's not not uh, evenly distributed. Um, now that that's that's probably a conversation for another day. It's not it's not that it's not that Western society is perfect. It's absolutely not. But despite the number of people who, on paper, are are doing well, like you said, we're 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 not happier. Now, here I, I kind of want to pivot a little bit because um, one of the things that you've you've written extensively about. As a as kind of the antidote, the antidote rather yeah. to to this state is is gratitude. So in your book, yeah. Surviving to Thriving: Ten Laws of Grateful Leadership, which I, I think I think fits this whole conversation really well. Um, you 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 really focus a lot of time and attention on gratitude. So maybe you could take a minute and explain what gratitude means to you, 
and why it's so important in this conversation about about happiness. Yeah, um, maybe I'll just ground it in a little bit of context of, you know, I grew up the oldest of five. Um, I, I don't know if every eldest has this high, you know, sense of responsibility as a value. I do. Uh, an internal locus of control. If you want to make something happen, it's up to you. I was a believer. I was a self-made man. I did it on my own, right? All these types of things. And, um, and it, it, uh, I always, I was always very positive, but judgmental with it, right? You want to get it yourself, do it yourself. And then I had this realization, you know, my late thirties, that it was as if my life was handed to me on a silver platter. It was then that I recognized, and it wasn't that I didn't recognize it before, but maybe I just rediscovered it in a way that I'd never seen it before. Like the time and place in history in which I was born, the family I grew up in, the education system was there to support me, my parents who supported me, uh, just all these things that I did nothing to earn. I, I did nothing, and they were essentially given to me. Um, and when I had that, when it, that realization came to me, and it wasn't through a tragic event or traveling to a developing country or, or that it saw something that just made me, oh my goodness, none of that. It was just this gradual realization that my life was handed me on a silver platter. And yes, you still have to work. You still have to do all these other things. It's not like, oh, you just sit back and don't do anything. Um, that brought an enormous, this sense of gratitude into my heart and my head, and both of them, not just my head, into my heart. Because these things, it's an emotion. And it just, I was in grad school, so I did some research on it. That was like, this is, to me, it was a compelling idea. And uh, so I wanted to go further with it. And, and anyhow, it eventually led to me starting this work full time. This all makes makes perfect sense, is, is just that you, you kind of realized what you had going for you. And and you've internalized at this point in, in your life this, this sense of gratitude, yeah. Right. And, and, and that's what, and that's what I'd like to work toward is, um, it, it, trying to distill that, that sense, that feeling down to what, you know, what, what is, what is gratitude at its root and, and how does that, um, how does that influence your sense of happiness? For gratitude to happen in you, uh, listening, you pat me, uh, three things need to happen. And, and these things happen whether, you know, whether we're conscious of it or not. Uh, number one, you, ha- you receive something that is of value to you, okay? So you receive something of value to you. Two, you, uh, you perceive that whoever provided it to you, and that could be who could be a person, it could be a, th- it could be a group, whatever, um, it was costly to them, whether that's money, time, reputation, it, it it was costly. It was a sacrifice to them. Uh, uh, and three, it was provided to you with no strings attached. So when you make sense, or when I make sense of a situation, right? So up to this, re- my aha moment, when I made sense of a realization, like my reality, 
I received something of value to me. I was, wasn't provided by anyone else. I did this, right? See, it, it all is about this perspective. So you could have two people in the same situation, depending on how they make sense of it. One could be feel grateful. One could be complacent. One could feel entitled. So you could be right across the board. So these three things, receive something that's valuable to you, that you believe is costly to whoever provided to you and they provided it with no strings attached. When that happens, you feel grateful. And even if your, the, your, your language, your mother tongue, doesn't have a word for gratitude. Um, I have a colleague in, um, in, in the Netherlands and she, she, she now is a PhD that researches gratitude. And as I got to know her, she, you know, I asked her how she came to it. She experienced this feeling of gratitude because it was something that her husband had done for her to be able to get back to school. And, um, all she could come up with was happy as the word. And as she was doing some research, in English, she saw gratitude and saw what it meant. Mm. She said, that's how I feel. And they didn't have that word in their language, in the Dutch language, the word gratitude. She's since created a whole scale around it for the Dutch language. And uh, so you even feel, so it's innately wired into our humanity. And when you experience it, it produces positive affect, which is positive emotion. And it it's a sense of well-being, of happiness. And all the stuff around gratitude, if you boil it down, that is the primary emotion that it, uh, that it elicits in us. So that, that's fascinating that, uh, you know, you, you can feel these feelings, uh, but without the language to capture it, it's easy to, it's easy to miss or, yeah. or mistake it for something else. Yeah. yeah. Now, your, your book, Surviving to Thriving, um, you're talking about 10 laws of grateful leadership. So I'd like you to help us make this link here. What, why, why is it important for leaders to, uh, to understand gratitude and, and use gratitude at work? Um, well, you know, to, to me, leadership is, um, you know, when I, when I ask people to boil or distill leadership down to one word, you know, in a group of 40 or 50 people, you'll get 20 or 30 words. One of the words that bubbles up and the word that really bubbles up for me is influence and, um, you know, influence over others, you know, but first it's influence over oneself. And, and the thing that influences ourself, um, you know, in terms of how you show up as leader is our mindset, right? which is how you make sense of the world. This, per, Your mind is a thing that we have a choice over, that, that you have a choice in terms of how do you make sense of the world, determined by attitudes, beliefs, and all these things. And, um, and Martin Seligman, who is the founder of Positive Psychology, has a model for human flourishing and you know, living a, a, a happy, meaningful, purposeful life. And... Um, Within it are 24 positive character strengths. And um, the, the best predictor of living a flourishing life of all those 24 is gratitude. 
Um, you know, one of his colleagues did a study and he, he was looking at something else. And if I was him, I would have said, how can you work on 24 things? Give me one. Uh, I don't think he said that, but maybe that's what, that's what I'm thinking. Anyhow, gratitude is the best predictor of this. So, and that's best predictor mindset. Mindset determines how we show up as, you know, in the world and make sense of it, how we influence others. So, hmm. How do you want to influence others and what impact do you want to have? Uh, and, and so gratitude to, to me, it is totally about leadership and leadership is not about position, number of people that report to you. None of that. Leadership is about how you influence others. And that could be from walking past a complete stranger on the street uh, where both have face masks on or to how you interact with your kids, friends, colleagues at work, people who report to you, people you report to. Um, that's all leadership. It really is, I believe. Yeah, and I, I, one of the things that I I believe about leadership is that, that an awful lot of leadership is happening when when you're not really directly doing something with your direct reports. There's a lot of leadership that happens outside of the emails and the meetings and the speeches and the feedback. It's your, your, the world around you pays attention to you and the way you are and the kind of person you are in the everyday interactions at the, the, the coffee maker and how you, you know, drive into the parking lot in the morning and living a life of gratitude. This is making a lot of sense to me. If you can be grateful for the life you have and what's and what's going well, people will see that. And people will, uh, I can only imagine, uh, be be attracted to that. And I think I think that that's the first step in being a a role model for your people. If you are in a position of leadership, um, you really have to give people the the sense that that you, the way you live is good and and what you have to say and the way you operate might be worth paying attention to yeah you know a couple of things are just kind of noodling in my mind as you said that is that you know gratitude it it it, it it's it's about noticing and finding the good in any situation it it doesn't mean we ignore or pretend that challenges are, are aren't happening. Oh, it's not about pretending that a challenge isn't happening. Oh my goodness, we lost our biggest customer, or we have this uh, error on a production line, or we we have an employee who's uh, who's going through a, a you know a really tough personal. Pro- it's not about pretending those things don't exist, but it's in the midst of the challenges because everyone you know you listening and to everyone else who's listening each of you have experiences life situations and um no one or other is any better or worse than the other um and gratitude to me really it is an equalizer because in all of these situations in everyone's situations we're all able to find good and um, and when I say that, I, I hold the belief that, Pat, I believe you are worthy and you have much to be grateful for. And I believe that for you. I 
believe it for every listener. I believe for every human being on the planet. And, and when I say that, I believe you are worthy and have much to be grateful for. Not in a, I'm not saying in a judgmental way. I believe it for me. I, I don't believe that. I, I'm not trying to say, Pat, do you know how lucky you are to be, you should be, I'm, I, I'm not trying to, if it comes across that way, it's coming across mm-hmm. wrong. It's just, I have this fundamental belief that every human being is worthy um, and has much to be grateful for. And it's about finding the good in our lives. And, and as a leader, to bring that back to your point, and when we realize that, uh, and that we realize that our place in the world, wherever that is, is so interconnected with every other, you know, so many other humans, those that are around us today, those who came before us, those that are in places of the world that we might not even know who exist, have helped put you in the place where you are today. It helps a leader have a balanced sense of self, not too egotistical, not Vic, not on on a on a scale of you know victim to to egotist like a balanced sense of self and that's a healthy sense of self because you can you can stand in your your talents the things that you're good at you're great you can stand in your talents and you can do it in a way that's not boastful or um or with false humility being oh no no don't say that about me right and mm. and that is an, an I, to me that's an admirable thing. So I, I think, uh, or I, I like to think that, that the people listening are probably, uh, probably many of them, just like I am, getting getting excited, getting excited about this idea of gratitude. And let's say, uh, for example, maybe maybe this has never really crossed your mind before. Uh, if you're listening to this for the first time, what would you what would you recommend to someone who would like to develop something of a, a, a practice of gratitude? What what are some actionable things that you can do to help cultivate this kind of attitude? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. That's uh, you know the thing to do is I call it develop a habitual ritual and uh, <laughs> just have a habitual ritual um, and. If you think of what, what 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 could be a habitual ritual, it's going to be very simple. Um, and and this don't let the simplicity of this discount either the power or your ability to think that it can have a big impact for you in your life. But uh, number one is uh, each day choose to make a list of three things you're grateful for and record it. Um, record it on paper with a pen or pencil in a notepad or a journal or somewhere or electronically in your electronic journal or in your calendar or in an app or text it to somebody, but take the extra step to record it because it's harder. And when things are harder, you know, we know when learning is more difficult or more challenging, when, when learning is difficult, it has a a longer learning is deeper. It changes our brain makeup. And so we know that about gratitude too. So when you record it, it has a a greater impact on your brain chemistry and your brain wiring, the neurotransmitters in your brain and the connectors. Um, It's you're, you're involving another, um, another one of your senses when you, when you do that. So record it. Number two, 
two, the second part of the habitual ritual is to consume gratitudes from other people. Listen to what someone else is grateful for, ask them about it, uh, or read what other people's gratitudes. And uh, I, I stumbled across this by accident by subscribing to a blog 10 years ago or so. And that's when I saw the power of reading someone else's gratitudes. And, and you know, I, to me, I, it's habit number two for me. And uh, it is such a key habit because it's, it's one of these ones where um, we all need fuel. We all need inspiration. And on the days we don't feel like making our gratitude list, that's when we need that one the most. And that one takes 30 seconds to do. All you got to do is find someone or something to be able to consume gratitudes. And it's part of, you know, in a workplace, you can easily work this in both of those, the habitual ritual, you can work it into your daily routine at work. Start a meeting. How do you start the meeting? Hi, I'm Steve. And today I'm grateful for dot, dot, dot next and go around the room and then you mix it up and instead of i'm grateful for you know maybe you do i'm grateful for work i'm grateful for a project something uh today's theme is we're grateful for something in our family today's theme is i'm grateful for something about the person who sits to the left of me and you go around the table and just you can just mix it up any way you want so the two things again pat just in short one make a list of what you're grateful for two consume other people's gratitudes Hey, I, I, that's that's fantastic. I I like these because they're they're simple, they're short. It's something anyone can make time to do. Yeah. Um, and and I'm just going to take a moment to uh, uh, to really throw my weight behind that idea on on starting meetings with gratitude. You, you and I have a mutual friend, uh, Andrea Jansen of uh, Ambition Theory, and mm-hmm. um, um, I, I've I've been on her podcast. I, I think you have as well. Um, she, she taught me about that idea first. I, I, I understand now that it, it likely came from you. So that's really cool. And, and it, it took a little getting used to admittedly because it was a little bit different. It was a little bit vulnerable, but by the time we had done it kind of the third or fourth time, it got to be something I got excited about. I was prepared <laughs> to, to, to answer that question when she would ask and, it absolutely set a tone for the meeting that, you know, this is this is a good spot. This is, you know, we're all in this together. And even, like you said, even when there are challenges, um, there's still something to be grateful for. That there's, there's opportunity in every strife. Uh, so I, I really do appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. To, yeah. to kind of wrap things up here, I, I wanted to go back. I promised at, at the top to... Uh, to ask a little bit about the uh, the first part of your career, um, I know you were you, you trained as an electrical engineer, like, just like I did, um, and I'd like to know about kind of gratitude at that time and how its presence or lack thereof, lack thereof rather, may have influenced that transition into into your work today. What what was it like being an electrical engineer before before you started all this? You know, I straight out of school, I went to work at uh, the electric utility. In 13 years, I had seven different, I'll say jobs, careers. Like, it was an amazing learning experience. If you told me in 1987 
when in 1987, when I started working for Nova Scotia Power, I knew for a fact I was going to retire there. And you know, I remember sitting around for lunch one day with some of my buddies. I think they hired seven or eight of us from my class. Uh, when, when you include the mechanicals, maybe there was nine or ten. Anyhow, I'm, look, I'd be looking around the table. Which one of us is going to be president? <laughs> right? <laughs> one of us was. It wasn't me. <laughs> and uh, and anyhow. Um, and, you know, I had an amazing career there and, uh, and, and loved everything I did and never would have predicted where I would be here today. But when I look back, I wasn't the gratitude that stuck, that sticks out to me that were the lessons I learned there, but the number of trainings, speaking, people interactions, uh, opportunities to, to grow and work on projects and all these things that I did as an engineer. If you look at what I do today and how I do it today, even this work that I do around gratitude, I have, you know, engineering, for, everything's got a framework, Pat. And it's just, mm. you know, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a schematic for how the human brain works. And I can j- a joke about it. Um, you know, when I wrote the book, get, get a load of this in uh, Inc.com, they said it's one of the top five positive psychology books to read uh, in 2019. Wow. I, my, my master's degree was in business administration. I'm an electrical engineer engineer with an MBA <laughs> and somehow, so I, I, I don't, I'm not a psychologist, but just taking the engineering mindset and applying it to like in a real practical way, in a way that something is very, very simple to something as simple as gratitude. Um, and just cause it's simple, you know, it's not easy. Right. And cause life gets in the way. So, um, it, it really was all those other parts of my engineering that influenced how, um, you know, how more so how I do my work today. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I'm sure I'm speaking for everyone listening uh, to this right now that we're, we're really glad <laughs> you, you bring that, <laughs> that sensibility to this, to this topic, because it, it is, it is kind of a unique angle. And it's, it's an angle that I know I personally, and I think, I think many folks listening, um, we get right. It, it really does. It really does ring true. Um, to wrap things up, Steve, uh, again, and I want to I want to thank you so much for for uh, speaking with me today. This is this has been a, a phenomenal conversation. Really enjoyed this. If you wanted to offer a single piece of advice to to leaders and managers in engineering um, who who might want to help you with toward your vision of one billion happier people, what what advice would you give? Take on this um, this challenge of building grateful leadership in yourself Um, and it'll rub off in your people, right? Own it for yourself and master it yourself. And um, if, if you want to take my habit course, it's no charge free on our website, 
gratitude at work.ca that will help you with it. It'll give you, you know, some tools to support you. Um, and that is going to help you lead, you know, be a better leader at work, at home and in your family. And, and what I believe is going to help you leave a legacy as a leader in your organization. Oh, that's excellent. That, thank you so much for that, Steve. And, and I'll absolutely be putting a link to, uh, to that course in the show notes. That's fantastic. Um, if people wanted to, to find you or work with you or connect, what's, what, what's the best place for them to go? Yeah, website's easiest, uh, pat at uh, gratitude at work.ca. And uh, I think my phone number and email is on every single page. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. You're yeah. a brave man. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Let, let, listen, Steve, th- thanks again. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Keep up, uh, keep up the great work. You uh, really appreciate being on the, uh, the show with you and enjoy the conversation too. Yeah, you bet. I- I'm sure we'll do it again. Thanks. Listen, thanks again, Steve. That was an absolute blast. Uh, Once again, Steve Foran of gratitudeatwork.ca reminding us to be grateful and to pursue greater leadership through happiness. And I'll be sure to put links in the show notes to Steve's website and his book and the resources he mentioned. Again, the show notes are at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 18. Next up, we've got the Engineering and Leadership Mailbag. This, of course, is the part of the show where I read your mail, comments, tweets, and messages and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I promise to share my favorites right here on the podcast. First off, Lucas Marino left a comment on LinkedIn about my episode on delivering better feedback with Pam Scott, uh, which was a lot of fun. That was episode 16. Thank you very, very much, Lucas. Very happy to have connected with you on uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, Nader Maulai of engineeryourmission.com had an interesting response to last week's podcast about self-sabotage. And, and he took things a step deeper and, and went into personal sabotage as opposed to organizational self-sabotage. And this is what he said. He said, most of our problems stem from negative self-talk, which is the foundation of self-sabotaging behavior. And I think that's great. I, I really think it's fantastic you pointed that, that out. I think there's a lot of truth to that, is that negative self-talk is kind of a, pers- a pervasive thing. So please do pay attention to that, because that, that really is the foundation of self-sabotaging behavior. If you can catch and address negative self-talk, you can do an awful lot for yourself, your career, and your team. Finally, a quick reminder that if you'd like to be on the show... You can leave me a voicemail at engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. I'd love to know what you thought of the show. And if you had any comments, questions, or ideas, go ahead. Please do let me know. Again, that's engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. That, my friends, is all the time we have for the show today. If you enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you would subscribe. That way you can keep pace with the show and uh, episodes which come out about every week. And uh, please do leave an honest review. That's a really good way to to help me make the show better and help others find the show as well. 
And for more information, links, resources, anything I mentioned today, just go to the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 18. And while you're there, you can explore the rest of the website for more free content for engineers who want to become great managers and leaders. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. If you'd like to learn more, go to engineeringandleadership.com where you'll find more free articles, podcasts, and downloads to help engineers thrive. That's engineeringandleadership.com.